And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because when you do, you will save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. Beat writer Patrick Lyons is going to be along with us to join the conversation in just a few moments. Today, we get to talk about roster movement, getting a little bit creative. The Rockies roster picture is coming into much, much clearer picture right now. Uh, Some people became free agents today, kind of a long list of names, not a a ton of huge eye-popping like headline blockbuster names on the list, but some guys that are worth talking about whether or not Uh, The Rockies should just let them go, whether or not they have a chance to come back into the organization. And, you know, they've basically solidified right now their 40-man roster with 38 names on it. And Patrick and I will be able to go through, kind of lay out the roster as it stands right now, where we think they might be able to create a little bit more wiggle room, where it looks like these are just the guys you got. Kind of give you an update on where uh, the depth chart, as it were, stands right now. There's a few other little bits of news that we got to get into. Also, as we are speaking, uh, they are revealing the award finalists on MLB Network. And so, uh, you know, by the end of our conversation, I assume that most of those will be out and Patrick and I will be able to give our reactions, predictions and preferences for uh, all of the big award stuff that it's always so fun to talk about. The thing I wanted to take care of up front here before we get into all of that is the brief bit of news that the Colorado Rockies did reactivate uh, Ian Desmond, which was a a technicality and a thing that was always going to happen. Now, uh, there's been a lot of speculation about the future of Ian Desmond. For, you know, those of you who don't know the full backstory or, or where are we at this point right now, Ian Desmond sat out the 2020 season uh, with all the COVID stuff and he, and he elected not to play and, you know, forewent, I believe, is that the past tense of for, foregoed uh, his paycheck for this season? He is due again in a normal year for assuming 162 game season. There's no pro rating into the stuff we had to deal with this year. $8 million for 2021 with another $2 million buyout if the Rockies declined to keep him on any further, which Assuming his production, what they've done with guys like Daniel Murphy, Wade Davis, Brian Shaw, etc., you would assume they would not. So the question with Ian Desmond essentially stands here. One, does he have any interest at this point in 
retiring, knowing that this COVID thing may not have totally gone away, that if he does sit out one more season, he may not get the chance to play anyway. Patrick and I have talked a lot on this podcast about whether or not even just him having been away and having his focus now on his family and, you know, on, on the issues that are close to him and on his community and, and doing everything that he can out there in the world. And the fact that he's, he's made his money um, and that he's not too far away one way or another from this decision probably being made for him. Would he save the Rockies, but one, the trouble and two, the money by just retiring. And there's been speculation out there. I'm not the, you know, I'm not just saying that. No, I have no information. I have to say upfront, I have no information telling me that Ian Desmond is considering retirement. Uh, I have read in a couple of articles, other writers, Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post has, again, I think much in the same way that I am, floated the possibility, not because he has information that it could happen, but because it makes logical sense that it could happen. The other way that it could go, and this is part of why we may not hear about this for a while. I, I think if Desmond decides to retire, you know, we'll we'll hear about that whenever he, ever he decides. That's a personal decision that a person makes when they do. If he's unsure and you wait, you know, the Rockies would just have to wait until basically the season started and they would still have this option available to them, of course, which we, again, as I just mentioned, the names they, they did with, you know, McGee and Shaw buying them out of the final year of their contract before they even suit up and play a single game, right? Or you've got the Wade Davis route, roll him out there for a few, see if he's got anything, and then if he looks bad, <clears throat> then you buy him out of the rest of his contract, um, at which point it would be a little bit less, a little bit, you know, but, but again, we're talking... Eight million, or, or really ten million dollars total, to just not ever suit up again for the Rockies, um, and it may be a, a bullet that they bite. Again, we we've seen them do it now with the uniqueness of the the financial situation that they're in, and that all of baseball is in. Patrick and I have talked a lot about this, you know, whether or not there's going to be a lot of movement throughout baseball at all it may be a situation of just hanging on to the assets to the guys you have. And again, maybe you get some kind of rebound out of a motivated Ian Desmond, who is trying to earn one last contract in baseball. If he's not ready to retire, he's offended by the very notion that people like me and Patrick Saunders are out there floating that concept. And so, you know, it could go that way too. I've often argued before, and I, I think this is true that as a 24th to 26th man on your roster when employed correctly, specifically against left-handed pitching, the numbers suggest that Ian Desmond can be an asset to your ball club if he is to return. No one, you know, very few Rockies fans are going to cry tears of pain if they just decide to pay him to go away. But that's without bringing somebody else in not necessarily the wisest decision. Again, they can always go the way Davis route of buying him out. Should he show up, get a handful of at-bats against lefties, strike out too much, not be doing anything in a platoon role or a bench role, then you can just part ways with the guy and, and you know, just say that was ultimately it. And 
no one could blame you for doing that. Either way, at this point, there's, you know, I, I thought it was ridiculous that some people thought going into this shortened, even before it was shortened, the 2020 season, some people thought that Ian Desmond was going to be a starting outfielder. It seemed clear to me that Tapia had taken that gig. And now it seems much, much clearer that Tapia has taken that gig. And so at this point, Desmond is a dude on your bench for a few games, unless you've got someone else who's clearly a better option. You know, if you have brought back even like a Kevin Pillar, um, we've talked before, I, I don't think Matt Kemp makes much sense unless the DH returns to the National League. But somebody like that and, and you're you're down to replace him, then that's good. But just getting rid of him, I, I don't know that that's great. I think the more important thing is to make sure that he doesn't start. So that's that's kind of where the Rockies are at now with Ian Desmond, right? Um, <laughs> and this has been your Ian Desmond update. But uh, it, it is important to know because that's going to impact the Rockies one way or the other. If And obviously the best case scenario for Rockies fans probably would be that he chooses to retire, um, again, chooses to forego uh, quite a bit of money, uh, that that's rightfully his that, you know, they signed a contract to pay him. But if he just decides, you know what, I'm just done with the game of baseball, uh, that would save the Rockies some money. And then there, there would be an interesting question of how they spend it. If not, you know, expect him. I don't want to, again, blow anybody away with my years of study and logic here, but Ian Desmond is on the roster until Ian Desmond is no longer on the roster. I'm pretty sure. I am pretty sure that is tautologically true. Love that word. But yeah, so it, it's just think of him as the 26th guy on the roster for now. And, and you can kind of move forward uh, with the rest of the roster picture from there. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's take a look at the players who uh, were declared free agents uh, by, I guess, by baseball. They, they declared free agency and it was reported. Baseball America did not declare them free agents that's not how it works gotta be gotta be careful with your your language there um i'll give you the whole list of names real quick uh, and then we'll go through some of the more interesting ones if you've got any questions about any of these players definitely definitely hit me up in the comments and again remember if you're listening on the podcast we are live monday through friday at 405 p.m on facebook and periscope we go live on wednesday on youtube for our special DFA show, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel so you get the notifications for when we are doing that. And I actually even got to remember now that this is a time to, to toast your Breck brew. Pour one out for these guys who, you know, have a very uncertain. This is a, this is a tough time to be a free agent, man. Everybody in baseball is having their options declined. I, I can't think of a single person this off season that I've seen like, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Their, their club option was picked up. That's just not happening. Every team in baseball, a lot of good players are just free agents now. And every indication that we've gotten from owners, not just Rockies ownership though. I know Dick Monfort's letter has gotten even kind of nationally famous for him talking about, you know, it's going to be a, a belt tightening winter or whatever kind of stuff they're talking about out there. But Teams are in money-saving mode, and and it's going to be tough for a lot of these guys to make any kind of money next season, where some of them might have been able to 
to hang on for a decent contract. So let's go through the list of names really quick here. We got uh, Tim Collins, Joel Diaz, Mike Gerber, Nelson Gonzalez, Ryan Gonzalez, Alexander Guillen, Joe Harvey, Wes Parsons, Matt Pierpoint, Zach Roscup, and Drew Weeks. Uh, an interesting number of pitchers on that list. Collins uh, was an interesting uh, lefty reliever veteran came out of the Chicago Cubs. So I don't know if he came out of their system, but it's the club he had been with most recently. Uh, and I know that they liked him as a potential option, not a, a blow him away, heavy strikeout lefty, but at least as a decent matchup guy, as we know, the Rockies ended up going to the end of 2020 without any lefties in their bullpen because the two guys they would really had hoped that would step up in the absence of Jake McGee. And that was Philip deal and James Pazos really, really got knocked around, had tough seasons, weren't around deal uh, still in the system. Pazos as of right now, also a free agent and somebody who's going to have a difficult time. Now lefties are always going to have a little bit of that, that leg up, right. Or arm up, but I'm but yeah, it's it, it's going to be tough for a lot of these players. They were hoping Tim Collins would maybe step into that. He, he had had a decent start in the first spring training. The second one uh, never quite looked as good and never did end up making any appearances for the Rockies in 2020. Um, just, you know, never quite worked out for him there. Uh, Ryan Gonzalez is an interesting one. Uh, that, that one's a little bit of a sting for those of you who have a deeper studied history of some of the minutia in Rocky's history. Um, it, I'm now I'm trying to remember exactly what season it was, but um, after, so in 2015, Troy Tulowitzki was traded. Do, I know y'all remember that, right? Troy Tulowitzki was traded for three players, uh, Jeff Hoffman, Miguel Castro, and Jesus Tinoco, right? Now, Jeff Hoffman, we all know the story there. Jesus Tinoco had been around in the Rockies organization, you know, had some insane numbers in the minors, became a reliever. Now as a as kind of a fringe player, they let him go and then and then brought him back. That whole fun, weird, interesting situation. And and I believe Tinoco, actually, I, I think he's he's on the roster now. I, I need to look to double check this. Let me let me bring that up while I'm talking about this. But the the other guy there, really the second major piece, the guy who was major league ready at the time and who the Rockies thought would contribute and, and for a moment really did and looked like he was going to be a big piece was Miguel Castro. And there were reports of some clashes with attitude at a spring training situation. And at one point, Rather than, and I'm not using the exact right terminology here, but I'm, I'm trying to explain it in a way so that you don't need to know all of the ins and outs and little, little piece of it. Essentially, the Rockies protected Ryan Gonzalez when he had had Tommy John surgery and finalized their 40-man roster at the time with that move and chose instead to DFA, designate for assignment, Miguel Castro, who was then claimed by and then traded to the Baltimore Orioles and ended up having 
a very good season when the Rockies absolutely could have used him in their bullpen. And it was a move that I questioned heavily at the time. I wrote an article saying that uh, the Rockies had made a mistake, a big mistake, by letting Miguel Castro go. And Castro's been like fine since then, but still, he would have been an asset to this bullpen ever since. I don't know what was going on with all the attitudinal stuff. Can't speak to it is what it is on that side of it. But still, from a pure baseball perspective, this was just a total failure of a move. Ryan Gonzalez, while he had you know a live arm, the big, big kid, the live arm, I saw him pitch in the minors a bunch of times, could hit 99. You know what the thing? He was already in his late 20s at the time in the middle of a, a Tommy John surgery situation. And the Rockies let go of a young reliever with a lot of potential in favor of this guy. And there was always some question. And, and I just remember taking note at the time, okay, always keep your eye on Ryan Gonzalez and whether or not he ends up being a thing at all. Um and it doesn't look like he's going to be for the Colorado Rockies in the slightest. He's a free agent now without having ever made his debut for Colorado. And that's just, ooh, that, that's an absolute blown play by Colorado Rockies front office. And, and you know, everybody out there knows that I've, I've been a big defender of theirs. I've, I've never chosen to see that way. I just, you know, point out the facts that I think sometimes highlight them favorably and you know happen to point out things like actually Jake McGee was really good in 2017 and Wade Davis was absolutely necessary in 2018 but letting go of and again this is not directly how it worked but if you watched it unfold at the time letting go of Miguel Castro to hang on to Ryan Gonzalez who never ended up being anything at all and now he's free agent blown move total and they're like, and straight up. And, and again, I'm not the guy who does this thing, but Miguel Castro on the 2018 Rockies, they probably win the division. <laughs> like, again, I don't know what the attitudinal concerns were. If they were that bad, if everybody in the clubhouse and front office just hated Miguel Castro, okay, somebody, you know, write that book someday and let me know. But beyond that, it, it's funny for, for how much headlines for how much headlines I can talk. It's basically my job for how much talk there is around the moves that people really think Jeff Breidich screwed up. Shaw for sure. Desmond by now for sure. You know, McGee and Davis, there's a lot more wiggle room there. This move, there's, there's no positive here. There, there's not a thing you can point to and go like, well, they got, no, they didn't. They got nothing for the second most important player in the Troy Tulowitzki trade. That's dumb. Looks like our guy Patrick may be ready to hop into the conversation. Uh, don't know if you you caught the tail end of that there, but I was ripping into him, man. Uh, that's uh, on the list of names, and uh, I was going through the the list of, I guess you got to call them former Rockies now. Um, that one really popped out at me because of how critical I was for someone that doesn't, it's not thought of as being super critical of the Rockies at the time, the way they did this Castro thing. So to see Ryan Gonzalez in the names there, you just go, it's an unforced error. It is. It's, it's, 
you know, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, and, and maybe if you just look at the fact that they're both Baltimore Orioles relievers, but Miguel Castro and, and Michael Givens were both dealt, you know, last season in, in 2020, one went to the, uh, you know, Castro, um, he went to the Mets, I believe, didn't he? That sounds right. Um, went to the Mets and the Orioles got a, a really good catching prospect um, that you'll love named Kevin Smith, coincidentally. And, and yet that hey. guy could have already been on the roster already. It's, yeah, it, there's definitely been some of those evaluation issues of, of, hey, can we get more out of this guy? Is there that potential? Who should we value or who should we protect over another guy? And, and you know, and, you know, maybe some guys, we, we've talked about this already, that some guys just need a change in location in a lot of ways. And, and that, that could be it. But for a guy like, you know, Miguel Castro, who is as, as young as he was, what, 22 at the time. So right, yeah. I don't think he, you know, needs a new location in that way. I, I, um, and certainly not in the way that they went about it because they ultimately didn't get anything back. I mean, wasn't he, he just put on waivers and, you know, Baltimore rightfully said, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll give you something for him. And they, yeah, I think they worked out one of those waiver trade things. So, yeah, so, 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 so it plays yeah. out like a trade where you go, yeah, oh, but yeah. <laughs> for a player to be named later. You know, when you trade guys on April 7th, you know, yeah. at the beginning of a season. Yeah. So it, it very it very well could have been for one of those things, but you got to think, man, that was, that was a real big piece at the time because I remember it was both Miguel Castro and uh, Roberto Osuna who – uh, Tampa, uh, Toronto had called up early in that, I think, right. uh, 2015 season, like these young guys that had only just like pitched in high A. And it was like, oh, my God, they're going all in on this this 2015 team yeah. with, with bringing up their best players, maybe hurting their, you know, uh, trajectory a little bit and, and, and their their progress uh, for the benefit of, of the now. Um, ended up working out pretty good for that 2015-2016, you know, Blue Jays team. I. I, I even mentioned in the article today, just briefly that, and this might blow your mind. I don't know if if, if you read it when you were you're perusing it, but Troy Tulowitzki uh, played in 20 postseason games as a member of the Blue Jays. Yeah, played in 15 with Colorado. You yeah. go, oh, that, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. that stinks. Yeah, yeah, no, that that was, and it was funny too because he was so mad about going to a team that immediately took him deeper into the postseason than he'd been since he was a rookie in college <laughs> appearances you know yeah back-to-back season and again when he was dealt by the end of 2016 that we're, we're talking 15 months so like in yeah. 15 month span he's mr postseason it's like love and life a little bit i would imagine yeah i i, I would think so <laughs> um all right I, i'll give you a chance to talk about some of these other names patrick i did kind of run through i think the entire tim collins story um, <laughs> any, anything to add on, uh, Joel Diaz, Mike Gerber, or I go back to look at my own tweet. I'm like, I know, right. Uh, Nelson Gonzalez. I, I don't really, you know, those guys were, were largely organizational guys. I don't know if you've got anything more to add on those players. Did you talk about Drew Weeks? No, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. the best for, <laughs> come on, come on, baby. 
Oh, yeah, we'll, yeah, give but, away but, the, the chocolate cake at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll save him as our dessert alphabetically, at least. Alexander Gienza is a dude that I, I think, you know, the Rockies would be good to, to try to re-sign him on, on a minor league deal. You know, man, there is just such a, a, a crunch right now in baseball that I feel so bad for these guys that are on the margins, like everybody on that list that's a minor league free agent because, you know, don't forget, be partially because – of everything happening right now with um, you know teams having lost three billion dollars and, and looking to save money so it might be more of a well this guy's cheaper than that guy even though he's not as good his agents playing hardball all right I'll go that way and um, yeah Patrick and- I was saying at the beginning that you know this could be really bad for a lot of these guys because everyone's tightening their belts and no one's paying any free agents so if they're not you know paying these other guys how are they gonna come out and, and pay you know Alexander Guillen, but is there maybe a silver lining here? I feel like you're you're almost like walking up to it where like maybe a lot of these guys at the very least are going to end up with jobs and maybe they're not going to get paid quite as much as they would, but teams are going to be going for these kind of fringy players because anybody who demands a higher price just isn't going to get it. That could be really interesting. I don't know. Yeah, it it could help, you know, Colorado build some depth. I mean, I think every team is gonna is gonna benefit from that. Or right, just anybody, like any of these guys, like But don't forget, you know, there there's there's two things happening simultaneously. One, you've got um a lot less minor leaguers because they're getting rid of the bottom rungs of the right. game. So now a, a right. guy who, you know, might have been signed out of the Dominican Republic instead of waiting until mid to late June for, you know, to put him on the Grand Junction Rockies. Now you got to go, okay, I guess he's going to be a member of the low A Asheville tourists, which takes a spot away from another guy who goes, well, let's put him on the the Lancaster team. And then that guy who maybe just misses, you know, gets an opportunity in double A and that guy, and then another guy gets an opportunity in triple A. And now you got a guy, let's say like a Jordan Patterson who 28 years old and you go, "Eh, you just, you missed the boat. You you yep. miss that opportunity. That happens with in uh, with, with minor league umpires all the time. Is that you don't often see the best guys go up. It's really just about the clock. Hey, how many time? How many guys are going to be retiring? You've been in Triple A. Uh, a, a buddy of mine who he made it to Triple A and, and and umpired in, in a lot of spring training games. I got to see if I can get him on the podcast at some point. Yeah, but you know he was like in his third year in Triple A. And it was essentially for him, it was a make or break moment. And there weren't going to be enough guys retiring uh, in the major leagues. There were some guys down in double A that were a few years younger than him. And it was just going to be, you know what, you're, you're too old for this level and you're just kind of the odd man out. And I think that's going to happen with like, let's say a Jordan Patterson. But um, on top of that, we lost a whole year of minor league. So, you say Ryan Rollison, the highest level he's competed at is high A. High A, yeah. Well, this year was going to be his double A season, so, which means next year he essentially could start out with the Albuquerque Isotopes. Well, wait a minute. What about all those guys who were Isotopes in 2019? Yeah. So you basically have all of last year's yard goats moving up to triple A, and all of last year's triple A Isotopes have nowhere to go. Where, yeah. where, do they, where do those guys go? Patrick, I think within the next couple of years, uh, let me say, let, let me rephrase this. I hope in the next couple of years, there is going to crop up an independent baseball league of just 
all the quadruple A players, <laughs> all the 32-year-old dudes who are not done playing baseball and maybe weren't going to make it at the big leagues. And maybe some of them, and the thing is, some of them will. And this is why this should happen. Because one, it'd be great fun. If this happens, you and I are going to go to games and cover them just for fun. Brandon won't even want us to do it. We're like, no, this is what we're doing on our vacation time. There's a, a pitching matchup right now between – <laughs> I was trying to think of like who's Johan who? Flond. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's been two right. weeks since I've yeah, yeah, right. Just, You're gonna get just, your wish. You're gonna get right, your wish. That's going you know, to happen. It has to happen. Yeah, right? and well, because MLB has now partnered with a, a four different independent leagues. Uh, much like they did with the Atlantic League. And so what I think you're going to see is is essentially going to be like a, a quadruple A, and, and not in a good way. It's going to be, again, those guys that are 29, 30 years old. They've had a cup of coffee in the majors. They've got a lot to prove. But you know what? They don't deserve playing time over a Michael Toglia or um, a Grant Levine. Like they, they don't deserve that time in the Rockies system with with all of the investments that the Rockies – They're not really developing anymore. Right. right. So it's like, hey, you know what? You can ply your trade there over there with this, you know, Somerset Patriots, Long Island Ducks, Lancaster Barnstormers of the Atlantic League, uh, Sugarland Skeeters, any of those kind of clubs. Um, and you know what? If we if we need a guy, we actually, you know, you, you could see those guys go from independent almost directly to the majors in a lot of ways, because I think the quality of play in those independents are going to get better. And you may even see MLB trying to um, you know, navigate or, or push a lot of the players into that same league because right now, um, with you know the Can Am League, uh, as I said, the Atlantic League, you got the American Association, and uh, and I'm forgetting one, but uh, all of those guys, yeah. you know, go all around and, and and they're not really making a lot more money in one place or the other. Atlantic League pays a little bit better, but it's going to be more for comfort. Um, and so I think MLB could kind of force all the best players into one league. And that's really where you're going to get a good idea of, oh, you know what? Hey, uh, remember uh, Mike Nickerack? Well, he never really, you know, never really came to fruition for him in the Rockies system. But, you know, he finally got it together. He's 29 years old. He had a real dominant season in the Atlantic League. You know, there needs to be a place for those guys. And there exactly. needs to be a place for all these guys that are now free agents for the Rockies that we've been talking about this episode. 100%. Two things. Pay them well and fairly. Don't take advantage of the fact that you get to play a game that people got to eat. And two, take care of their health. That's the only thing. That's all I ask. Because then otherwise, you know, I don't, it seems weird pushing them out, like you said. But if, if, you, if they're getting to play baseball for a living, a great living, but for a living or a fair living, that, that, could be, that really could be a phenomenal thing for the game. And like you said, it even leaves open pathways just like guys who go to korea or wherever else that hey you all of a sudden you hit 50 home runs in the atlantic league and you're 32 you know the team you used to play for might go damn he finally figured it out he finally did that thing we told him to do when he was 26 we're gonna give him a call and, and, and bring him back and see if he wants to be our dh next year like it'll it'll create so many great stories so yeah i, I really hope these guys don't don't just fall through the cracks well I, I would even I would even love to see some kind of maybe not program, but some investment made into these players so that when it you know if they put in enough service time, whether it's independence or minor leagues, that they can have you know part of their their college paid for them. And that's usually the case, you yeah. know, with a lot of high round draft picks that you know at a certain point when their career is over, 
you know, the, the team will, will pay for, you know, a degree of, of some sort. Um, in fact, that's what got Scott Boris uh, to become the super agent that he is for anyone that right. doesn't know the story was, I believe he was drafted by the Chicago Cubs. Didn't work out for him. But one of the things that I believe his father helped negotiate was, you know, Hey, one of my son's career is, is over. And, and, and even if he does, you know, play parts of three or four seasons in the majors, he's not going to have made a lot of money and he's only going to have a high school diploma. So will you pay for him to go to college? So I think that would be a real good, you know, investment to, to make the game better, to, to have better coaches out there, to, to even help, you know, uh, various, you know, colleges and universities where there's some kind of system in place. So, because, you know, the colleges just, um, they're not able to, to pay their coaches very well. And they're, they're limited by uh, how many coaches they can even have on staff. So right. I think that would be you know, a real cool program to kind of give back to these players once their career is done. But also, you know, those players can still give back to the game after it. It benefits them rather than just, hey, figure it out on your own and maybe open right. up your own uh, you know, baseball academy in your town. By the way, you're going to be paying for that out of your own pocket. But, you know, MLB and and you know, the union can, can work with those guys and say, you know, we, we actually, you know, give you some money to help, help fund this, you know, academy that you're thinking about doing or pay for you to go to school to become a proper coach and then work at the local community college or university, whatever. And just overall makes baseball have a, have a much, much better product. Yeah, absolutely. Because all of these players, what we're talking about ultimately, Patrick, it sounds cold sometimes, it's meant in a good way. We're talking about assets. That's what they are. They're assets. Whether they're the biggest asset or somewhere down the line, you got to take care of your assets. And you out there, you know, you got to take care of your assets. One of your biggest assets is likely to be your home and your mortgage, your largest debt. And I'll tell you what, our friends over at Chevalier Mortgage are ready to hook you up, man. They got some great deals. First of all, you head over to dnvrmortgage.com and you enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice, which is super cool. But far more importantly, you can get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your mortgage options with Virginia or Mike Chevalier, real experts in the business. If you've been wondering out there about whether or not all those rates are for real, whether or not this is the time, you got to give them a call. You can call uh, Virginia directly at 303-257-6578 or again, visit dnvrmortgage.com. Mike Chevalier is NMLS number 1931006 and Virginia Chevalier is NMLS number 1910631. And as we continue our conversation of those assets, depending on where they may or may not land, Patrick, there are a few other names I did want to discuss. Uh, Joe Harvey and Wes Parsons are uh, a couple of relief pitchers who the Rockies seem to be continually infatuated with that uh, I am just not. Uh, that They seem to have passed them over for uh, younger players this season when they had some opportunities to call on either one of them. They instead were handing the ball to Antonio Santos and Jose Mujica and some of these guys, which uh, I think was good. And, and um, you know, again, <laughs> everything we just said about, you know, hope these guys don't fall through the cracks and let's find them jobs or whatever. But uh, you know, I, I don't see any need for them to stay in the Rockies organization. Um, 
unless again they just want to come back at minimum and they're just hanging out. Yeah, I think they are going to be good depth pieces in AAA. And again, not you know you hope that they don't need to rely upon a, a Joe Harvey or a Wes Parsons type. But that being said, you know you want to um, you know surround your your players in Albuquerque if that is where their AAA affiliate will be. Again, we're still waiting for MLB yeah, to make the announcement of the reshuffling of the minor leagues um, because it's not necessarily that you know they're going to keep those same affiliates even though there was an announcement made that, that the Isotopes and Rockies came together on a four-year deal at the beginning of the 2019 season. All that's kind of washed away since there's no professional baseball agreement. But should it stay – Albuquerque, and that is a, a real good natural fit, I think, for Colorado. I think those are just good depth pieces where, you know, Wes Parsons becomes a guy that could be your fourth or fifth starter in that rotation, uh, a little bit more of a veteran presence, you know, that can, you know, he, he did a good job in Atlanta system as a starter before he was converted um, to a reliever in 2018. So I think he's a guy that, you know, is going to be the wizened veteran uh, to, to be whispering to, to sure. Ryan Rawls and saying, like okay, it. here's some different things. And, you know, I've been around the game for a while. So yeah. I think there's that value. Same thing with Joe Harvey. And, you know, say what you will about, about Drew Butera, but the one nice thing he was able to provide Colorado, mainly in 2019, was just a, an extra body when you needed it to use it how you needed to use it. Because yeah. they called up Butera when, uh, I think it was when Ionetta hit the IL, they, they promoted Butera. And then when they were done and Ionetta was healthy, they were able to let go of Butera and it didn't cost them. It's not like they had to release right. Dom Nunez or even right. a young guy like a Brian Servant or Chris Robago. It was Drew Butera. And then he ended up coming back and, and, and re-signing. So it allows you to have your cake and eat it too. So, you know, I think a lot of the guys on this, this list, particularly Harvey and, and Wes Parsons, does allow you to have your cake and eat it too and, and say, you know what, if we do need a body, you know, then we, we've got a body. Uh, but maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. I think it's one of the reasons why, you know, the Rockies made the waiver claim on Wes Parsons. It's why Joe Harvey was uh, acquired at the 2019 deadline for Alfredo Garcia, who unfortunately did pitch really well in five starts as a 19-year-old uh, with the Staten Island Yankees. So hopefully that's not one that comes back to bite Colorado, but um, yeah, not exciting. You're right. Not exciting, but, it, but maybe, maybe it's, they contribute. And, and I, and I could see yeah. either guy back. They, these are the, exactly the kinds of things. Again, like I said, the Rockies uh, seem infatuated with these two players in particular. Um, I, I think I can't remember. Now. I'm pretty sure Joe Harvey at one point did had become a free agent. They'd been knocked off the 40 man roster, put back on yeah. the 40 man roster. Right. And so, uh, the Rockies seem to like them and they don't seem to hate being in the Rockies organization. And I doubt there's going to be a whole lot of other teams that come knocking at their door. So I could see the Rockies bringing them back for basically minimum, you know, salary to do exactly what you just described. Um, I, I could see some, uh, Matt Pierpont was always an interesting one too. He was a guy that always had a little bit more like, well, that could be a thing, but never quite showed up at the minor league level. Um, and, and again, I think it's, he kind of fits firmly into that category of what you were talking about. Like now, okay, you're, you're no longer really a prospect age. You're not really developing anymore. You seem to have hit the ceiling of what you're at, which is a guy who's definitely good enough to pitch in triple a and maybe could one day be 
a serviceable big leaguer, but, but you know, we're just not going to wait around to find out. Yeah, the dude was was dominant. When I went to Hartford in 2018, he had 32 saves with a 1.95 ERA. Now, granted, he's 27 years old, yeah. so he was actually two and a half years older than most of his competition. But you still go, hey, maybe you can dream on that. And uh, he had a lot of arm issues last year with with Albuquerque. But, you know, in, in 25 games, um, 34 innings, so he threw a lot of multiple innings. Uh, performances, you know, still a two six five ERA in Albuquerque. So, you know, he's he's may may get it done with a little go. smoke and mirrors. But sometimes that translates. You know, sometimes you know that can be a guy that's that, not getting it done at all, Patrick. Right, right, <laughs> right. And and hey, if 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 the Rockies are looking to play Moneyball, you you give those guys kind of opportunities. But I I imagine their you know evaluation has been you know, pretty solid on him, but, uh, yeah, older, older guy, um, nice, nice depth piece again in, in that ice dopes bullpen. So you're not throwing out, man, those innings can be really long. Even in May, it's like 90 degrees. The sun is beating down on you and the El Paso Chihuahuas are like, they scored seven runs already. They've already batted around. There's only one out. It's like you, you need competent and competitive bodies out there. And the isotopes, you know, they don't, they don't always have them. And all the guys on this list would be, would be competent, uh, would be yeah. worth something. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've got to pour out the final bit of Breck Brew for, of course, fellow Drew, Mr. Weeks, um, who, who, again, you can kind of say the same thing about on the position player side. You know, he's he's always been a solid organizational guy. You know, those guys, uh, everybody's probably got this player in a number of different sports. Uh, but there's a, a player who you may not even see all that often. But every time you do, they show out, man. Like every time you happen to turn on the game. I remember my dad and I had this thing for a long time where he insisted that Dexter Fowler was the better player to Carlos Gonzalez. Because every time we watched the Rockies, Cargo would strike out three times, you know, just look lost at the plate. He would be in one of his slumps, and Dexter Fowler would do something good out there. And he was typically a pretty consistent player. It was like every time we watch, you know, dad was just like, Dex is my guy. Like, Dex is getting it done. I don't know why you're on this Cargo kid. Like, Dexter Fowler is the better player. It's like, I'm telling you, Dad, when you're not watching, Cargo hits 400 at 50 foot bombs. Like he's amazing. He's got the best arm I've ever seen, but he, he just didn't see it. Right. Uh, and, and so drew weeks was one of those players who every time I saw him play in the minors, he'd go three for four with a double home run four RBI, make a catch, throw a guy. He threw a guy out at home from left field to end a game that I was at. Just like, I think that was on the backfield. So, you know, not like, uh, whatever, but just, but again, even there, it was like whether I was watching him uh, on t- the computer, <laughs> this is where I watch minor league games, or uh, out at the ballparks or on the backfield, it was like Drew Weeks would show out, and then I'd look at his numbers and be like, he's fine, he, he appears to be fine, but he was always fine. So, and, and as a fellow Drew, who is one of those guys who seemed to hit for some power, but not a ton of power, and for some average. Not a ton of average and a good arm, but not a great arm and good defense, but not great defense. And like, damn, man, good ball player. It's just, there's, a, 
there's always some ahead of somebody ahead of him. And, and, and yeah. again, it's, it's all about timing. You know, that, that's the other thing. It's, it's just all about getting an opportunity and, and think about how many guys right now are on the Rockies 40 man roster or will be that play third base or play shortstop and have now had to figure out a new position, you know, Brendan Rogers. Oh, he's, he's a second baseman now. Ryan Vallade, they turned him into an outfielder. Colton Welker, I guess he plays first base. Tyler Nevin, see ya, you're going to Baltimore. Right. So like that, that's that's difficult, right? And that can, you know, stunt a, a player's growth a little bit. I, I think you learn as a professional to say, I can't worry about what's going on, you know, ahead of me. But when it's on your own team, like Weeks has had to deal with, because he's had some decent seasons, like you said, you know, hit 285 last year in AAA with like, I think 25 homers, 70 RBI. You go, oh, those are good numbers. Yeah, but in the PCL, they're not actually that great. You know, you've got you've got other guys ahead of him. Where does he fit in in this outfield, right? I mean, who's Drew Weeks starting over? You know, with 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 Blackman, Dahl, Tapia, even Jonathan Daza, who's a fantastic defensive player in center field with an amazing arm. Sam Hilliard, you know, right. he's six on the depth chart, and you know, if 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 another team wants to maybe give him an opportunity, maybe Drew Weeks does get that cup of coffee. But at twenty seven years old. It, it looks like you know that opportunity may may be over. Yeah, yeah. Pour one out for a Drew. Like I said, I'll I'll miss catching him on the backfield and be like, maybe maybe I should have watched him more. He could have been a big leaguer. Sorry, man. <laughs> Just... Yeah, he definitely goes down that list of guys of like what could have been and and guys that you know, you, like you said, you catch on the right day and you go, man, I don't know, Corel Prime. This could be a real dude, you know, right. at some point. And there was another one yeah. who showed out. He showed yeah. up to me a lot. He had a walk-off home run in a spring training game against uh, like a major league pitcher when he hadn't played. I don't think he got higher than double-A. I, I don't think Corel Prime ever played triple-A ball before bowing out. But, yeah, like I actually – and actually it's the best picture I've ever taken on my phone. I got a cell phone picture of Corel Prime hitting a home run, and I actually got the moment of the bat. I like I like how when you said you got a, a photograph of it, you're holding it side to side. When let's face it, it was probably more like a flip <laughs> vertical. It was more of this. that thing out. Come on, man. <sighs> old school. It was old school. <laughs> All right, Patrick. Before we wrap up today, well, a couple of things. First, we got to appreciate our friends over at WGT Golf, the best free golf game anywhere in the world with over 20 million players. Most of them, I think, are on the in the DNVR community in these DNVR clubhouses, hanging out with us, playing some fun digital golf. Again, totally for free. You can download it at dnvrgolf.com. You can play closest to the hole or full stroke play at world-famous golf courses, including St. Andrews and Bethpage Black. There's a whole bunch more of them. It's super beautiful scenery to just hang out relaxingly, try to pretend like you know what you're doing, or... If you are hardcore and you need one more thing to obsessively get into and tap at and collect all of the top golf cool gear that they've got, either way, whether you want to be hardcore or super casual, man, this game is for you. Get it today totally for free at dnvrgolf.com. Especially since the sun goes down at 3.30 nowadays, right? You can you can get a little more sunlight. Thanks to the WGT app. I don't know. You, I, I, I don't think we can legally say that you'll get, you know, your your day's worth of vitamin D from WGT app. I feel like I do. So personally, that's just my own right. take on that. 
I tell you what, we, we, we could probably do a series of articles, Drew, where if and when we're allowed back in the clubhouse or when we talk to guys, say, who is a guy who is better than you in the minors or a guy that you looked up to? And we're like, man, this is a dude. I wish I had half of his abilities that we have never heard of or that just never made it to the majors. Yeah. And every everybody in a major league clubhouse could probably name at least two of those guys. Yeah. And you just go, wow, man, like it's some of it is a little bit of luck, you know? Yeah. I've heard a couple of those stories, um, particularly a, one about a, a pitcher who would regularly top 100. And, you know, the guy telling me the story is going like, dude, and we all knew we had like control issues and like walk problems or whatever, but like you get in the box and you can't just expect him to not, you know, do stuff. And it was like, I couldn't, I couldn't see the ball. I couldn't, it's like, I didn't stand a chance. If this guy had ever learned how to put the ball on the edges, like a, by, like by this much more, he could have been dominant in major league baseball, but he just, he couldn't hit the edge. His, he would either throw a ball or he'd put it right down the middle. It's like, I just close my eyes and swing and I never got anything off him, but you'd watch dudes hit just monster yaks off of this guy. And he's like, it, you can't live off a of walking two or three guys an inning and then giving up a 450 foot home run, no matter how hard you throw the ball. But he was that close to being not just in major league baseball, but to being able to dominate, you know, like it's amazing. Yeah, it's uh, we gotta yeah, ask for more. Cool of this. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's brutal out here, man. It is brutal. Well, now, Patrick, I was gonna ask you about this last thing, but we're, we're gonna have to do the Reader's Digest version of this conversation. We may have to leave the longer version of it. Spark uh, notes, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Reader's Digest because people know what that is in 2020. Oh boy, am I getting old? Oh no, did I just get old right now? On kind of did, Drew, yeah. No, I know what you're talking about, but real quick, what's the <laughs> website for Reader's Digest so I know what you're talking about? <laughs> um, uh, a bunch of awards stuff uh, finalists have been announced basically as we've been on air here. I didn't um, see those. I did not see those. I'll be honest. Yeah. Well, no, you, you wouldn't have. Some of them came out like literally while we've been talking the last couple of seconds. So I thought maybe I'd throw a few out there. We'd quickly respond to them and maybe talk a little deeper on it for tomorrow's podcast. Mm. Uh, but it looks like here, <laughs> I just have from MLB network. So what they've got so far up are 2020 AL Cy Young award finalists, Bieber, Maeda and Ryu. Mm. All right. They've got uh, NL rookie of the year finalists. By the way, well, two thirds of those guys, new acquisitions. Kenta right. Maeda came over in a trade from from the Dodgers. Hyunjin right. Ryu, also from the Dodgers, signed by Toronto <laughs> as a free agent. So again, two guys changed destinations, went to the AL, and actually ended up having better seasons. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, okay, so NL Rookie of the Year finalists are Bohm, Cronenworth, and Williams. That's going to be close. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That'll be close. Yeah. I think Jake Cronenworth will get enough only because, you know, Devin Williams as a reliever wasn't quite used as much. Cronenworth got out to a quick jump, was, you know, 
incredibly integral in, in that, that San Diego team. He was essentially a, a throw-in. He was just a guy that was included in the Tommy Pham deal. Was, and he could pitch. He pitched a little bit in the minors, too, uh, I think, with the, with the Durham Bulls, uh, the AAA affiliate of the Rays. And so it was very much thought of like, okay, well, he could just be like this two-way player because there are all these rules that were set in place this year that we didn't really see. In fact, I don't even know if they just got rid of them altogether. But there are going to be all these rules as to who could pitch and who couldn't, and there are going to be these restrictions. And lo and behold, Jake Cronenworth just goes out, you know, and, and – plays all over the infield, even at first base before they got Mitch Moreland. And I think it's going to be uh, his to lose, but Devin Williams, whoo, exciting arm. Yeah. It's tough to win uh, awards like that as a reliever. And uh, that's, and it's even like why I blanked on him for just a second, because I wasn't even thinking that a, a relief pitcher might win rookie of the year. So it, it's just an uphill battle against everyday players, but boy, does he have a live arm. Um, the 2020 AL Manager of the Year, uh, Montoya. This is a hilarious list, actually. <laughs> the last got, name is funny. Oh, and it, no, no, no. The, I mean, uh, the Rays manager, fine, sure, fine, okay. Kevin, um, manager of the Year, Kevin Cash, the guy who yep. yeah, did the thing yeah. in the World Series that makes him not a good manager. So you've got Kevin Cash, who made like the most famous – bad managerial decision since Grady little took page. I was, I was searching for the manager's name. I was literally searching for Grady little. That is absolutely right. Isn't it? It's the most famous bad managerial decision since that. So still, he should probably win manager of the year. And the other is Renteria. <laughs> A guy who just got fired. Who just got fired. Because a 75-year-old manager that hasn't been with the organization in 34 years is going to do a much better job. By the way, and the other guy, Welcome Charlie Montoya. Major League Baseball, where everything is made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> and don't forget Charlie Montoyo, the, the third finalist. What's interesting, fun fact about him that makes him a not good manager? We're, we're, yeah, we're, all these guys are worthy. But uh, never managed a single game in his town. In, in his oh, city. right. right. The Toronto Blue Jays manager. The Toronto you know? manager who's never managed in Toronto. It's like, wait a minute. Either, yeah, I, I don't know what that means exactly. But, oh, and I don't know if you saw this, but Rick Renteria, I was making, I was trying to come up with a joke about the Rockies reuniting with Jim Leland, who incidentally looks older back in 1999 than Tony LaRusa does today. <laughs> right He's now, actually yeah. younger than Tony LaRusa, A. And B, his rookie year as a manager in 86 with the Pittsburgh Pirates, you know who his third baseman was for a handful of games? Rick Renteria. So, I don't know. The more things change, those, the more they stay the same. Those are those kinds of stats that just make you go, no, no, no. That can't be right. It's the one I heard the other day. Oh, yeah. we I, I, I've heard this a couple times before, but the one that always blows my mind on the timelines is that um, Cleopatra actually lives closer to us in, in the timeline than she did to the building of the pyramids. There's more time oh, wow, between the building one. of the pyramids and the, the life of Cleopatra than there is the life of Cleopatra and the time we're living in right now. <laughs> that is it. That's good. I like that. That just makes you go, well, do I understand how time works at all? Do I have a, do I have a reference on anything? Uh, I don't know why, but these are the only awards that MLB Network 
that I can find here. So maybe that's for the best and we can just cut the conversation off there and have a more complete one once. Well, I've got sources that say the NL finalists are Don Mattingly, David Ross, new manager of the Cubbies and Jace Tingler. That's an interesting little collection. That is. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it'll be Jace Tingler in, in that group, but I do too, but I don't think that makes any sense. Well, Mattingly, uh, did the Marlins have a 500 record? Or were they just under? I think they might have been 30 and 30. Yeah. That's impressive. Uh, Tingler, I mean, he, you know, he had the players, he had the dudes, but as a rookie manager, you know, balance and all that, you like him. And David Ross comes in brand new. And, you know, I don't think anyone would have, you know, been surprised if the Cubbies missed the playoffs this season. He got him in, won the NL Central. So, yeah, that one could, I think you're right. That, that one actually could be, you know, a lot closer. They think probably not Mattingly though, but maybe probably not. Maybe 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 don't give an award to the guy who week one of the season was like, no, we heard he was sick, but like, man, he felt fine, so we sent him out there. Maybe AL finalist for rookie of the year, Christian <laughs> Javier, who I uh, I badmouthed when uh, they played Colorado, so shame on me for that. Terrible. Kyle Lewis, I like mm. him very much out of Mercer yeah. College, and uh, Lou Bob. Luis Lubob. Robert, not Robert, as you would think. You, you try to get, make it a little more cultured from a player from Cuba, and you say, "Oh, Luis Robert." No, Luis Robert. Lubob. Lubob. That's Lubob's to 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 Lou Win, right? That's that's his. He's one, that's that's Lubob's. And MVP candidates are Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Josh Fuentes. So we will keep posted. <laughs> Just kidding. Freeman was left off that list. It's Mookie Betts. No, I don't. We don't have that one yet. Those two will be in it for sure, though. The first two, not the latter two. Uh, I need. We're gonna need some more laughs the next couple days, folks. I needed that. That was that was exactly what I needed. (laughs) Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday. Look, it doesn't matter what side you're on. Anytime there's an election, it's it's wacky, right? Doesn't matter what side you're on. So Wednesday, we're gonna we're gonna bring you a, a fun show. Yeah. Tomorrow we'll bring you a fun show we're too. Have some wacky fun. We're gonna we are we're gonna try to keep it light this week on the pod because uh, there's a lot of heavy stuff going on out there. So we're gonna be light. We're gonna have fun. Uh, we're gonna talk baseball, Rockies baseball, award stuff, more just more baseball. We're gonna have fun. So join us for that. Uh, make sure you're following us on the social media at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at DNVR underscore Rockies. You got to subscribe to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of that written content. Plus, you get discounts on hats, shirts, masks. You get a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar, which is following all of the protocols right now, making sure that everyone is socially distant and safe. Only a handful of people allowed in at a time. Very big room. Very spread out. Everybody make sure that you're following protocols out there. Wear a mask, socially distance, and please, please, please vote. Thank you all for listening into this episode of the DMVR Rockies podcast. We hope you will continue to be absolutely awesome out there. We will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.